humor in a way is kind of a shorthand for having empathy for understanding the pain points that your audience is experiencing and then kind of mining those pain points for humor so that you're all laughing together at some commonly shared experience. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram, yo, welcome to another fun, fun, fun episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. And today I have someone I've admired for a while and I've been just watching the work you do. And every time he posts something online, my typical reaction is, oh my God, he just said what I have been feeling for like last 10 years around around B2B marketing, sales, or leadership. So this is going to be a fun thing. So I have Tom Fishburn with me, who wrote the book, Your Ad Ignored Here. He's a market tunist. So if you are on Twitter or LinkedIn, you definitely should follow him. He has one of the best market tune like things that, that, I mean, it just speaks to you every single time. And he did, he did a TEDx talk on the power of laughter and, and, and really the power of laughing at ourselves. So I'm super excited to drive, dive into this idea of like, in your marketing, in your sales, in your conversations, in your communication, do you use laughter? Do you use humor? And why is that important? And, and maybe also hear some ideas on how Tom might have seen it work in his work. So Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Excited, man. So let's start with a fun fact. Yes. Yeah, so what, what, kind of, what kind of fun fact? Any kind, of, any kind of personal fun fact that you may have shared at different places or something that you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, good question. <laughs> it's funny, for so long, my fun fact was that I was a closet cartoonist, but now that I do that full-time, it's kind of taken that away. Uh, so one fun fact, I've gotten recently into scenic design painting. So I, I found for a long time, I, in working in business, I needed to have a creative outlet, and that was cartoons. And now that I do that full-time, I needed to have some other additional outlets. So on the weekends, I, I'm generally with a, with a group of people all working on uh, stage sets. Oh, wow. That is really, really interesting. And you know, do you feel like just with having that kind of out and doing something else is really helps you with whatever is you're working on. Is that like the, the most important thing to do? Like, I, like I feel it myself every time I'm like so much in one thing, I need to go do something completely different. And it might be the complete mindless, like mowing a lawn. And, and it really gets me back into the work that I'm doing. I wonder what's your thought on that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. I think it, it kind of takes you to a different place. And I find it's a little bit for me, like creative exercise. I need to get out of my comfort zones. It's so easy to get stuck in a rut. And so if I can put myself in a position where I'm trying something new, that's a little bit different. It, uh, it definitely comes back into the rest of my work. And I find after something like that, I, I, when I go back, you know, after, after a weekend of doing something creative like that, I find myself more creative in the rest of my project. I love that. Man. I love that. So you wrote the book on your ad ignore here and your TEDx, The Power of Laughter. Share with me and the audience a little bit about what, what's the psychology behind that and how do you see that played in the business world? Yeah, so I started, well, I started drawing cartoons really, you know, as a moonlighting thing while I was working in a big organization. And I'd start drawing cartoons when I was at General Mills. I was working in a brand management type of program. And then I'd, I'd draw cartoons about my day job and the people I worked with. 
And I found that it was not only cathartic for me to kind of uh, as a form of therapy to uh, to find humor in, in what I was what I was going through. I also found that in sharing the cartoons, a lot of people responded to it, and it created this this fun effect where it gave us permission to talk about things that were hard to talk about another way. Laughter gave us sort of a way in to sort of focus some of the things that were always happening around us. And so I started doing it once a week, kind of in brain management. I've been doing it ever since for the last 17 years. My first book was sort of a collection of the last 15 years of those cartoons. And then as I was thinking about that, that journey and how my cartoons were received in those organizations, and now that I have a studio that creates cartoons for organizations, I found that humor is, is a really funny thing in, in companies. It's an incredibly powerful way to talk about things that are hard to talk about and to, and to make things happen. But yet, there's also sometimes a resistance to use humor in organizations. And organizations can sometimes, they can sometimes make it, make it difficult or make it feel like you're not supposed to laugh at yourselves. And so my, my TED Talk was really an, an exploration of the power of humor, the power of laughing at ourselves, and what gets opened up when we have cultural environments that really let us do that. It lets us connect with other people on our teams. It lets us talk about disarming topics. It lets us be vulnerable. And all of those things are very conducive to an effective work environment. Couldn't agree more. Talk to us a little bit more about organizations you think are doing this well, because I can see humor is something that's you know, it has to feel authentic and, and people around you or companies who are not that. And if they all of a sudden start having humor, which they never had in any, that's not in their DNA. That's not how they roll. That's not what they talk. But all of a sudden there is humor. I, I could see the off branding. I can see a branding police getting into like, hey, wait a minute. That's not how we represent ourselves kind of talk. So talk to us about which companies are a company that you see is good at this thing. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of different forms of humor. And the way I think about humor as it relates to external marketing communication is humor, in a way, is kind of a shorthand for having empathy, for understanding the pain points that your audience is experiencing, and then kind of mining those pain points for humor so that you're all laughing together at some commonly shared experience. And the audience feels like this company gets me because they're showing a cartoon. It, it absolutely reflects my world. And, and I understand that this company understands where I'm coming from. And I feel like that that level of humor at a basic level is available to every company. You know, there are different ways to do humor and different companies will approach it differently based on their brand voice, what's consistent in their brand. And as you mentioned, that it has to be authentic. But I think there's some form of humor that can be available to every brand. And I've been amazed some of the companies that we've worked with that I have thought, you know, wow, their their industry is, I, I, I don't, I can't imagine that humor would really play well. But, you know, what, one example, we've been working for the last nine years with a, a company that's in the field of workforce management. And so they're reaching HR people and, and chief information officers all about issues related to workforce management. And they've been running now a cartoon every single week for the last nine years. And in that field, you know, there's sensitivities you have to watch out for when you're talking about things like HR. But if you're if you're in that if you work in that space, you're an HR manager. There are a lot of things that are funny that are part of your day job that you're probably already sharing with your coworkers or people in other companies. And so Kronos has shown uh, this is the company that we're working with has shown a lot of empathy and understanding what some of those pain points are. And when they create a cartoon that that's that's based on one of those pain points, these HR managers think, "Wow, Kronos really understands where I'm coming from." And so I've, I've been amazed at everything from, I've done a lot of work with the banking industry, I've done work with highly regulated industries, pharmaceuticals, for instance. And I feel like even in those where you think there's a high level of sensitivity, there's always an opportunity to show some level of humor. You just have to write, find the right tone of voice. I love it. 
All right, so let's say somebody is like, yes, that is exactly what I want to do. I want to inject empathy that we understand the problem and there's nothing easier, better than almost putting a cartoon that makes you laugh at yourself and makes everybody laugh together, as you said. Let's say somebody wants to do this thing, but their company is kind of a little stiff around that. How have you addressed that? How have you helped them get over it? Yeah, it's a great question. I like this metaphor I, I, I came across somewhere. It's called the Trojan mouse. And the idea is that, you know, we all know the Trojan horse that's sort of this big thing that you're trying to get through the, the gate, so to speak. If the Trojan mouse is something, you start the idea pretty small and then you slide it under the gate and then allow it to propagate and then it grows from there. So in many organizations where there's been some resistance, we've done some sort of stealth project where we've just created a small mini series and allowed them to take on a life of their own before it gets to a larger point where it becomes an official official sort of campaign. Very often, so maybe two-thirds of the projects that we work on are for external marketing, but a third are for internal uh, culture change. So companies trying to just address their own culture. And oftentimes, a lot of cartoons will sort of start there. People will spot them and think, wow, this is really, this is really funny, and, and I'd like to do something with this and maybe actually share with our customers. And then over time, those Trojan mice kind of grow, and then they turn into something that can, can turn into an official program or, or platform. I actually worked with one company, one large, or, uh, she, someone who worked in a large organization that we would all know, and she wanted to drive some culture change, but she was concerned about the sensitivities. And so she actually commissioned it on the sly and asked, asked that we not brand it to her company, but make it look like it's coming from the outside so that she could then share it around and say, look, there's, there's something really funny, and I think it relates to us. And from there, it turned into an actual branded cartoon series. Wow, that is that is really cool. Now, now here is one of the ones that you recently posted on Twitter. So just so you know, I totally follow and, and lurk around a lot of the stuff because these cartoons are like so awesome, right? So people should definitely look at Marketunist Twitter handle if you, you haven't. It's, it's fun. So you have this cartoon that talks about TikTok and the next big thing. I really, really love it. So I'll just quickly share what that is. It literally says, we need a TikTok strategy. TikTok is the next big thing and everyone is talking about it. And when they talk about it, they use words like digital first and Gen Z and virals. This guy is just explaining all these things. And then other person asks very simple yet obviously super smart question. What exactly is TikTok? And so this person says, nobody. That's why we need a strategy for it. And, and those that's that's pretty much explains pretty much every new big wave, big thing, and how conversations actually truly happen when somebody's overexcited about an idea and the others are like, do we even know what we're doing or why we exist or why we should even do this stuff? So I'm, I'm curious, how do you come out, come through with this problem? What is your process of these creative ideas? That you know, where does it start? How? What is the iteration process of it? Because I'm, I'm assuming you just don't wake up in the morning and just draw it, and it's final in an hour. Like, how, what is the process? Yeah, great question. And and usually, if I'm making fun of anything, I'm usually making fun of myself. You know, as part of the process. And in my regular weekly Marketuna series, it's about you know the, the struggles that all marketers face, and there's no shortage of material. And you know, when I started doing this, it, it was the type of thing where I would wake up in the morning with an idea because I was just drawing one cartoon a week. You know, I'd go to work and I'd someone would say something in a meeting, and then I think that could be like a cartoon idea. But now that I that I do this full time, and my output has to be so much higher because we're working with so many different clients, I have to really think about the for, formal process around this. And so I kind of break it up into phases. I have a phase where I do a lot of discovery work and deep diving and try to understand 
the audience that we're trying to reach with a particular series and what their pain points are and struggles are. And I just surround myself with that source material. And after I finish that discovery phase, I get to really jump into concepting. And for me, I find that I have to, because doing something creative is a very delicate practice. It's really hard for me to be creative if I'm, if I, my phone's going off and I know I have a meeting coming up and if there are too many distractions, I just can't be creative. So I have a pretty regimented approach where I, I have to, I have to basically tune out every distraction for at least two hours every morning. And that's my, my prime creative time. And I, I have a series of rituals that kind of get me in the zone. And I find that it's an iterative process. I spend two hours just ripping on ideas, kind of playing with them. And then at the end of the two hours, I stuff them all in an envelope and I go on and do the rest of my day. And then I come back to them the next day and something happens overnight in my subconscious where some of the ideas have moved just a little bit forward. And so by the end of doing that for you know a series of days, I have cartoons that are ready to rough up and share with a client. So my, my process, I, I, I find that there's certain parts of that process where I have to be really free form and not trying to self-edit. And there are other parts of that process where I have to put on an editor's hat and kind of think about the tightest way to communicate an idea. And I find it's best to just carve out different times of my day for those different activities. Oh man, I love that. I love that as a process. All right. So I wrote down a whole bunch of notes on it as I normally would do. And this time I think I exceeded the number of notes, but I'm going to try to summarize maybe the top two or three ideas. We'll add the rest in the show notes. And we write all of these as blogs on flipmuffle.com if you want to go check it out. Then Tom would love for you to share a challenge for companies and and maybe marketers and sales who are leading or trying to inject humor. And and maybe you could share a, a way they could think about it muster up the courage to to try something this week as they go into the workforce. So one of the big ideas I think you shared, which I think is really, really awesome, is that that it's power in laughter. And one of the big things that happens when you do that is you connect with people at a much deeper level. I think the way you said that it's it's a shorthand for empathy. I really like that. And and the second thing it does seems like is the idea that you're vulnerable. You you kind of make it a little silly and you start probably to me what it sounds like or feels like is that you kind of help people recognize that, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not a big deal. Let's just laugh a little. Let's just lighten up the load. Let's just get, let's just be less tense or stressed about it. And let's start get back into the, the most important things in life, whatever that might be. So it, it, it really creates that, I think, neurological love for life in general. So lightening people up. And if you really are in a high stressed, high uh, work kind of thing, I think something like that is, is a really good thing. So I like this idea of power of laughter, how you can connect and be vulnerable and, and create empathy where you laugh together. One of the things you talked about was if for people, because that's something that I'm thinking about, is how do you how do you get started with injecting humor? Because it, it may not be for your brand. You might say, oh, we are IBM. We can't do this, right? And well, maybe, maybe you can. And, and I think your idea, I love the Trojan mouse idea, which is start small. Um, almost don't even call it a project. Call it an experiment or, talk, or maybe call it a test and do just one or two cents and maybe do it internal. I love the fact that a lot of times it starts internal, as you said, as opposed to external going to your customers and see if there are people connecting. At the end of the day, if you're not sending it to robots and if you're sending to humans, I believe laughter is really, really good. I think everybody can use a little more laughter in their life. So those are some of the ideas that are more than noted down that will be in the show notes. But Tom, can you share a challenge with people if, if you want to give them the courage to try something this week that could inject 
laughter, and maybe a little bit of like vulnerability in, in their way as they go about in the workforce. Absolutely. I, I, th- I In the vein of the Trojan mouth, I think that one of the best places to start is just how you communicate with your own colleagues on your team. I just I recently got involved with a new Stanford Business School course that's all about the power of humor in business. And I was there this week and they gave all the students an assignment for the next week that I think would be good actually for any organization to think about. And that's, uh, they challenged they challenged everyone to find one email they've sent over the last week that find an email where it feels like they're not really talking like a human. You know, very often in business conversation, we write an email and we can be very stilted and artificial and use buzzwords and acronyms and try to make ourselves look smart. And we say things like we would never actually say in a conversation. And they they encourage everyone to find one email like that and then simply rewrite the email as if they were actually in a conversation trying to engage with the person with a bit of humanity and a bit of humor. And I think that simple exercise of looking at the before and after, you start to figure out, you know, how to... You know, we, that, that, that in businesses, we, we don't have to, to talk like the traditional business way. And if you can train yourself, even in your communication with your colleagues, to, to have more of a conversational tone of voice, that'll eventually bleed through into your external marketing. I love that challenge. Challenge accepted on our side. And I feel like every organization that has a team should think about doing that. It's a, probably a fun Friday exercise to, to pull together, get a lunch or something and have them play some music, boombox, whatever order some pizza and have them do it. And again, light it up, laughter, and things would be awesome. Man, Tom, again, can't thank you enough. I can't wait for this to go live so people can get a lot of love out of it. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Great talking with you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.